This is Nita Erlene, and you are listening to the TRC Ministries podcast. The vision of TRC Ministries is to see individuals fulfill their calling under the authority of the Church, using the resources of the Kingdom of God. We are currently going through a series called The Life-Giving Gospel. Another way of saying gospel is good news. Do we live lives as though we really have good news? In this second episode, Karis gives more concrete understanding of what the Kingdom of God is in a way that helps us appreciate the good news of the arrival and availability of the Kingdom of God to us. Karis Nordland is the wife of Nathan Nordland, a pastor at Country Faith Church in Bemidji, Minnesota, and daughter of Tori Bjorkland, president of TRC Ministries. Good morning, everyone. And I'm just going to open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and thank you for being with us. And um, just thank you that you are always speaking and teaching to us. And we just pray that you'll be here um, speaking to our hearts and just speak through me. And just pray that I will speak truth and that this can be an encouraging morning. Amen. I have taken one trip overseas. I went to Italy right out of college for about three and a half weeks and actually took my last three credits there. I did an art history course. And one of the things um, when we got there, or right before, I think, um, before we went, they were telling us about our what our time is going to be like there. And um, one of the things that they said is there are a lot of beggars on the streets and don't give them any money because if you do, you're putting yourself at a pretty good risk because there are a lot of them. And if you give one money, you could end up getting mobbed. And there are also a lot of pickpockets um, in the area. And so you will probably get pickpocketed as well. So just don't give any money, you know, just keep walking, whatever, which is, you know, a little bit hard to do. I remember um, one woman that I saw while I was there. She was a beggar, very, very thin. You could see kind of the her skeletal structure. She was sitting on a little wooden cart in the street, and she was crippled. She, her legs were all withered, and she was very dirty and unkempt, and, you know, just someone you just see very destitute, very hopeless, and it's sad. It's sad to see that. So I want us to think about her this morning and think about what if she had found out, if she had heard through other reports that there was another country that she could go to, and in that country there was enough for everyone, and actually the citizens of that country eat from the table of the king, all of them, and the king actually visits all of his citizens, and he knows them, and he cares about them. I mean, what if she could get out of this place where nobody cared, and nobody took care of her, and she had no hope of any kind of resources, and she could go to this other country where the king himself thought she was incredibly valuable, where he liked to spend time with her, where he took care of her. And maybe she had heard about that country, and she thought, man, I wish I could get there, but I don't have the legs to walk there, and I don't have the money to buy a plane ticket to get there. There is no way that I can get there. In fact, I'm not sure where to find it on a map. I don't know how to get there. 
And what if one day someone came to her and said, you know, this country that you've heard about, I can get you there. You don't have to pay anything. I have an all-expenses-paid first-class ticket that'll take you right there. You can be living there today. That would be some good news, right? I mean, exciting, very exciting. Would she be excited about that ticket? Yes, but not for the sake of the ticket, right? She's excited because it brings her to another place. It brings her to another land that she can live in. So that's a little bit what I talked about last week. This is week two of the series, The Life-Giving Gospel. And last week, we talked about what is the gospel. Many people consider the central message of the gospel to be the atonement. Jesus died for your sins. If you ask someone, what is the gospel? A lot of times, that's what they will say. And you know, the atonement is very key to the gospel, right? I mean, we need the atonement of Jesus. We need that all-expenses-paid ticket. But it's a means to the end, right? I mean, the atonement is there so that we can get to this wonderful kingdom, so that what was broken between us and God can be repaired, and we can come into this new kingdom. So what we looked at was a lot of scripture that Jesus preached the gospel of God and that his central message was about the kingdom of God and that it was available. So last week we talked about what is gospel. Well, the gospel, it includes the atonement. That's a key component. But actually the central message is about that kingdom of God that's made available to us. I'll tell you a little bit about the handout um, on one side is kind of a little bit of a recap of what I went over last week. We talked about what is the gospel, and I put some passages there about Jesus preaching about the kingdom, right? And then uh, we went through Mark 1 passage where Jesus went around preaching the gospel of God. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So I broke down a little bit about what those that message meant what that meaning was. So you can look through that. That's from last week. If you weren't here or you just want a refresher, then if you flip it over on the other side are my notes for this week. So at the top, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God, right? He taught about it. He preached it. He proclaimed it to people, but he also did miracles. I mean, he demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God, and he demonstrated that it's available to the ordinary person in their ordinary life as he fed them and he healed them and he walked around with them, right? So it's available to people. It has power. And Jesus showed us through his example how to live in it. How to live in it. We'll talk about that a little bit more um, as we go through today. He died, as we talked about the atonement, he died so that we could be in the kingdom of God, right? We need his blood to get us there. And he rose in power, right? He is the king. He's the living king of this kingdom of God. And he invites us to reign with him in that. Okay, so if the central message about the gospel is the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? And we know from what we talked about last week that when Jesus announced the kingdom of God, he said, it has arrived. It's not something that you're still waiting for. It's not off in the future. It's here. It has arrived. 
And so when we think about the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean getting to heaven when we die. That's something that we're still waiting for. And it's not the millennial reign of Jesus, because that's something that we're still waiting for, right? Jesus said, it's, it's here, it has arrived. So we have to understand, have this idea of the kingdom of God that encompasses something here and right now. I do want to say the kingdom of God is in heaven, and the kingdom of God will exist with the millennial reign, but it's not limited to that, right? There's, some, there's an understanding that we have to have about it here now. Okay, so kingdom of God. What is a kingdom? That's not a word that we use. It's more like a word that we use in fairy tales these days, right? It's not kind of our common language. But if we think about kind of a map, we kind of still have this this intuitive idea about what kingdom is. So if you look at a map of the world, um, you see these border lines, right, around these different areas of land. And these different countries, um, somebody's in charge, or, or a group of people are in charge of that area, and they have say of that area, okay? So there's two kind of components when you're defining what a kingdom is. One of them is who's in charge, right? Who's, who's the ruler? And the other one is how much are they in charge of? Where is it appropriate for them to have say? So when we think about appropriate rule, we don't get to decide taxes in Australia. Our U.S. government does not decide the taxes for Australia. That's not appropriate rule for them. That's not in their realm of rule, right? Vladimir Putin, he does not decide our taxes in this country, right? I mean, that's not his appropriate rule here. So we have this idea there's this who gets to be in charge and how much or where are they in charge. So let's bring that idea into the kingdom of God. So who's in charge? God. It's in the name, kingdom of God. God's in charge. He's the ruler. Um, He's the king. He has say. So in the kingdom of God, he's in charge. And the second one, where is it appropriate for God to have say? How much is he, should he be in charge of? Everywhere, okay? So it's appropriate for God to have say everywhere, right? We see that in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, if he created it, he should get to be in charge. Now, in your notes, you'll notice I put a little asterisk in that everywhere, right? Because God has given us as individuals, there is a realm that we have. It's really small, but he allows us to have say. We get to decide things, even if it's contrary to his will. So he allows us to decide things that God would not choose himself. So he restrains his power and his right to rule and allows us some say over our own realm. So there are pockets and areas where God's rule is not acknowledged. It's a little bit different terminology, but we're basically talking about free will. God gave us free will and is key to having a relationship with him and key to how he created us. We recognize that we can choose things that God does not like, 
right? And it's not, it's not that God doesn't have the power to exert his will in every corner of the earth over every single person. He has that power. He has the ability to do that, yet he restrains himself. It's kind of like a mom, if she has a three-year-old daughter. You know, kids, they get an idea of style very early on. And maybe that three-year-old daughter wants to dress herself. And she wants polka dots and stripes and all the pinks everywhere and all the sequins that she can. And the mom thinks, whoa, that is not what I would choose for you to wear, but I'll let you decide that. It's not that the mom can't make her wear something. It's that, well, okay, it's okay to, you know, it's okay for you to decide. So God lets us have say he restrains himself. It's a part of his will. We know that there is a time coming where every corner of every creative thing will be in line with God's will. We know that there is a time coming that God will exert his will and his power on every living thing, and anything not aligned with his will will be swept away. So we know that is a time coming, but we also know that for a time, God is restraining himself and is allowing free will. And so in this created earth, even though God has the right to rule, the right to exert his will, he allows um, something else to happen, okay? So if we think about the kingdom of God, it's the range of God's effective will. So it's where God's will is done, where what God wants done is done. So that's, if we think about the kingdom, it, it helps things be a little bit less abstract, right? When we think about the kingdom of God, sometimes it's like, it's a familiar phrase, but it's not something that feels very concrete. So the kingdom of God is where what God wants done is done. That's um, what I'm proposing as a definition. Now there's more to a kingdom than just the definition of what it is. If you were to kind of go on Wikipedia to find out about Brazil, it's not going to just state who's in charge and how much they're in charge of, like the boundaries. It's going to talk about the culture and the way of life and what the people are like, kind of what's valuable there, the resources, the economy, what's it like, the, how many jobs are there, and who's kind of well off in that system, and what's acceptable or not acceptable there. There's all kinds of things that go into describing a place. So this is what Jesus taught about. When he was teaching so many of his parables and so many of the things that he taught about, he was explaining the kingdom of God. He was explaining what it's like to live under the rule of God. Who's well off there? What kind of resources are there? How do you access those resources? You know, when I was in Italy, who knows there's some amazing cuisine in Italy. There's really some very good food there. And do you know the worst part to me about being in Italy was having to eat? I wish, I wish that before I went that I had figured out some way or trained my body to only need one meal a day because it was so stressful. It was like, I have to eat three times a day. I don't know the language. I'm hungry and everything is different here. And I have to figure it out while I'm hungry how to get food. 
And it was stressful every day. And, <laughs> you know, some places, you know, around here, some places you go and you like sit down at a table and then they bring you the menu and then you order off of that. Well, then other places you go and you just like walk through like Qdoba, right? You don't go sit down on a table and they bring you a menu, like walk through and you say, I want this, I want that, you know, whatnot. They have all those different ways of doing things, but not with the American cues. So when you walk into some place, I know there's food there, and I don't know how to get it. And it's stressful. Okay, there's like this cross-cultural thing going on. Well, Jesus came to kind of explain that there's these resources there and how to live in them, how to align in a way that we can access those things. So when he's teaching about things, he's trying to help us understand about this new culture that we are invited into and that we are allowed to be in that has all of these resources and how to be a part of that, how to get access to those resources. He's trying to help us understand this new culture that's going to be our home. And there's kind of this reorienting that needs to happen in our brain and a re-understanding but when Jesus is teaching, it's not like just a more strict law, like more things that we have to do in kind of the way that we're used to doing life. And it's not kind of like, oh, well, if you are going to be a pastor or a missionary or kind of like the extra Christian, you can like start in and try to do this while you pass your time until you die and go to heaven. What Jesus is trying to do is help us. He's like, this is how it works. This is how to live the abundant life. He's trying to explain things to us. He wants us to be able to have the best life we possibly can have in the kingdom of God on this earth now, and he's explaining that to us. This is good, good life that he's trying to give us through the things that he's teaching, and it has to do with the kingdom of God. He's explaining these resources. He's explaining how life works in the kingdom of God. And so I would encourage you, read the Gospels, read through them, read what Jesus taught, and not doing it through a lens of, well, these are things that I have to do because God said so. No, these are things that we get to do. This is how we can access and enjoy an abundant life in the kingdom of God. So if we can put that lens on when we start reading through the words and the things that Jesus taught, that he's trying to help us enjoy the best life possible. It changes how we read these parables. All right, so I want to revisit with kind of this new understanding of what the kingdom of God is, this woman that I introduced us to at the beginning of our talk. She's there, right? Helpless, destitute, very poor, ignored, by most, anyway. And someone in the first story, right, someone says, hey, I've got a ticket for you, and you can get to this other ki kingdom where all of your needs are taken care of, and you are important in the eyes of the king. You are no longer ignored, and you are no longer in want. You have everything that you need. And so she got a ticket to go there. But remember, when Jesus was talking, he said, the kingdom of God has come here. So if we reorient our idea in this story, really, someone came to her 
and said, you've heard about this other country, you've heard about this other king, and it's really good. Guess what? He's showing up today, and he's going to build that kingdom right around you, right where you live. You don't have to figure out how to go there. You don't have to, you know, figure out all these travel plans. You don't have to have money to get there. He's just going to come, and he's going to build a little city right around you, and he's going to come and live with you and be with you, and he's bringing his resources with him, and you can eat from his table right here where you're at. That's exciting, right? That's super exciting. And guess what? She's still going to have to go out and kind of have these little treks into this other kingdom that she's used to. I mean, the kingdom of God is here, and it's around her, but she's still interacting with places that are not God's kingdom. But he goes with her. He says, I'll do that with you. And maybe there's an evil king that wants to come and steal from her and tries to kill her. And the king says, I got this. Let me handle this. And he protects the border around her. This is the idea of what Jesus was talking about when he said the kingdom of God comes here, right? He builds his kingdom around us, and yet we still have these kind of skirmishes. We still have this interaction with these places that are not God's kingdom, and yet the king is with us, and we have his resources, and he's taking care of us and doing it with us and defending the borders of his kingdom, right? Um, But we still have this idea of like, we get to experience the kingdom of God without leaving, Okay, it's here. It's here, and yet we still have to understand that there's still stuff going on that are not of the kingdom of God because there's still people around us that don't want the rule of God. And so God says, okay, you don't have to be in my kingdom if you don't want to. So we're still interacting with a lot of world that does not have the kingdom of God. But you know what? We have a message that we can tell people when we see people that are destitute and hopeless and hurting, we can say, guess what? I know of a king who will come and build his kingdom right around you and you can live in his resources. And you know what? We can kind of do this together and God's going to defend us. And so that's what all of us here are today. We've got the kingdom of God around us and we're gathering together. Have you ever met a believer that you didn't know was a believer? You're like on a trip somewhere and you kind of meet them waiting for the plane or something and they say something and you're like, I think they're a believer. And you kind of uh, start exploring, you know, asking some subtle questions to find out, are they? And then you find out and it's like home, right? That's because it is home. It's the kingdom of God there. And you have that kingdom around you, and they have that kingdom around them. And while it might not be the kingdom of God around these other people out there, it feels like home here. So kind of that crux of the idea about the kingdom of God, as we're talking about it here on earth, it has to do with that asterisk, right? That that free will. So we get to decide Do we want the kingdom of God built in our realm? 
are we accepting the rule of God? Do we want God's will done in our life? We have this choice to make, right? Because God will restrain his power if we ask him to. If we say, we don't want this, we don't want you here, he will stay out. So we have a choice to make about if we want the kingdom of God here. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week, um, is that choice. And really, there's two kingdoms that we get to decide between. We are not strong enough in and of ourselves to have an independent kingdom. We will either be ruled and defended by God, or we will be occupied by tyrant. So we have two kingdoms to choose between, and we're going to be talking about that next week. So that was a lot that I just went through. I'm going to open it up for discussion right now. So if you have any, uh, you can see some discussion questions I wrote on your sheet, and I'll, I'll ask those specifically. If you want to speak to those specifically, you're welcome to, or if you just have other thoughts, I'm just going to open up for any other thoughts. So any thoughts from anyone this morning? I want to ask the question that I have listed here. Now that we have more of a concrete understanding about what the kingdom of God is, how is Jesus' announcement about the arrival and availability of the kingdom of God good news to you? I'm no longer a slave to sin, for he's freed me from those bonds, and uh, sin no longer controls me, but instead... Uh, Jesus is living in me and, and has taken that burden of sin away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are no tyrants over us, right, in the kingdom of God. God defends us. So for me, it was a, I'm going back to the time that I first received this kingdom. And, um, and uh, Brian used the word control, and, and that really was the issue is my life was out of control, and it was driving me nuts. I couldn't figure out how to control it, how to fix it. And in the presence of a bunch of other believers, I specifically heard him speak to me, and it to my heart, or my mind, not audibly, but I heard it. That, and he said, it's all right, I got this. And when that happened, I was just flooded with peace. And it, it was the first time that I could recall having that lack of anxiety, fear, worry. All of a sudden, somebody else was in control, and it was good. Good news. My life wasn't out of control in the same sense that Darian was. I was quite a bit younger, probably, at the time. But, but it did give me a goal and a sense of peace like Darian said, because there was something worth living for, rather than my own plans. And I, I was fairly young, so I didn't have the whole plan of life figured out anyway, but it still gave me a strength and a peace to, to strive for, rather than my own planning. This is a little bit off, but I was thinking of the 18 years we went on mission trips. You know, saw lots and lots of people, and we were in Tosco, in the Silver City, and I kind of went behind. I was, well, it doesn't matter anyway. I wasn't in the main Zocalo. And this old man was sitting there just all by himself, but people were passing, and God said, stop and give him 
10 pesos, which is about a dollar, which is a lot of money to a beggar. Mm -hmm. And I kept going, and he kept saying, turn around. And I don't, I totally agree with you about the beggar thing. But in this case, and nobody else is really around uh, to attack me or anything. So I turned around, and I gave him 10 pesos, and his eyes just widened up and at the time, I probably didn't know enough Spanish to talk to him, but I said, Dios se bendiga, which is God bless you, and walked on my way. And I just thought of a little bit of God's kingdom right there. I mean, I was obeying, and who knows what that God bless you meant to him. I don't know, and the 10 pesos. But hopefully, you know, and then you just pray about it later. But, I mean, you can, like you said, you can bring God, God's kingdom anywhere just for a moment to mm -hmm. obey but, yeah, be careful with the beggars. <laughs> but that case, it was God. I'm thinking one thing, being in Christ and being a follower, being in his kingdom, there's boundaries and borders that Christ gives us that are really a safety net and a reassurance that we don't have to decide everything. We can check with him and be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, gives us guidelines and a safety net for our protection. I'm just so thankful that um, I have the hope of getting to that kingdom, and I'm not um, controlled by the things that are happening in this world. Um, that's just such a peace I can't imagine living without it. I, too, think that um, <clears throat> the arrival and the availability of the kingdom of God was uh, a real blessing for me because it it helped just like today you know really eradicate the concept of chaos and bring a true ruler a daddy that uh, was in charge and it helped a person be motivated to want to change and uh, you could sense the protection <laughs> You could sense the protection everywhere, even beyond the borders of America or whatever. It was quite a significant concept to realize that there is truth, truth that dispels the darkness, that type of thing. But also goes, it really helped to understand that this is the way God created it in the Garden of Eden. And it, it's a restoration mm. um, of the way God intended it to be. And that the gift of exercising our own will, which I believe is one of the greatest gifts that we have, first to come in submission to Christ and desire to live with him, is a continuum that uh, it's exciting to learn about. And I think to me, for me it was the greatest thing is to learn how to submit, and that in submission there is great strength and protection. And So the kingdom of God, I love it. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. It means everything. I really appreciated your description of the culture, the culture change, culture of the kingdom. Jesus came to bring and teach about the culture of the kingdom of God. I thought of a story when Gary Nordland and I, I wonder if Gary will remember this, but we went to New York together to remodel my brother's house. And Gary, I think at that point, hadn't flown on a plane. And um, so New York was new to him. And he was a Minnesota nice, really a nice Minnesota nice. And we were in a supermarket, 
And we were online buying some groceries, and a lady in front of us got in a fight with the cashier, which nobody batted an eyelash. They were exchanging words. They were being New York brash, and well, that might call each other names. And Gary was like eyes like saucers, like who's who's going to call nine one one? And everybody else was just this is life. This is the way we are in New York, you know, and. And so it was just a clash of cultures. So just an example I thought of as I looked mm -hmm. at Gary. Do you remember that, Gary? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> that was one of the... So um, I was thinking, Karis, there's just a number of scriptures that were flooding through my mind when you were teaching this so well. In Romans 14, when Paul is teaching us about not judging each other as Christians in gray areas, disputable matters. Should you eat this? Should you worship on this day? So forth. Just you do what God is telling you to do. Don't judge a brother. And then he says, he summarizes in verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink. It's not a matter of rules and regulations about what we eat or drink, but it's of living a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is a, a kingdom where our heart and our worship of the Lord is what really counts. Another scripture that flowed, shot through my mind was when Jesus said, the rulers of the Gentiles in this world, they have authority, they exercise it over the people, they, they boss them around, they, they command them to serve them, etc. but it shall not be that way with you. So in the kingdom of God, leadership is not bossing people around, it's serving people and laying your life down. That's the kingdom we're called to. There's just so many things that are different it's a different culture, um, different principles, different currency of what's important. Mm -hmm. And we are privileged to be in his kingdom, living there now mm -hmm. and getting ready for the ultimate eternal kingdom. Yep. I'm a visual person, and um, so I love stories and word pictures. And so I have a takeaway. I just see this big bubble, you know, like one of those big bubbles you blow with the bubble machine. Because I realized, you know, that was a really uh, uh, cool concept that the kingdom of God came to this woman and envelops this woman. You know, so wherever she goes, the kingdom of God is going with. So you've got this big bubble that you're walking in that's going with you, permeating the world around you, you know. And so to me, that was a very cool, um, great story and good word picture that it's like I can't get it out of my mind, this big <laughs> bubble that maybe people will bump into, but that it's just part, you're carrying the kingdom with you and it penetrates the world. It's awesome. I wasn't sure I was going to bring this up, so I'll probably butcher it because I probably didn't do enough study, but... Um, in Daniel, it talks about an eternal kingdom getting set up, and it splinters the kingdoms of men um, set up around that. And that's kind of how I envision that happening, is these people being enveloped by the kingdom of God that's getting brought here and there. And as more and more people are, you know, bowing their knee to Christ, you know, saying, God, your will done in my kingdom, it starts to splinter right? In these little pockets everywhere, these kingdoms of men, because God's will is all of a sudden being done in all these different places on earth. So thanks for sharing about the bubble. That's a cool way of envisioning it. Um, other thoughts? 
it's, it's exciting to think about the reality of the kingdom of God. And just as each one of you have been sharing, you know, it's exciting to talk about, right? I get excited hearing about all of these different thoughts. One of the things to me about what's good news about the availability of the kingdom of God is that regardless of anything going on around me, I live in security. The kingdom of God is a stable and eternal kingdom with immeasurable resources always available to me. And so regardless of what's happening in the world around me um, or what chaos I'm living in, the good news is that I get to live in a stable kingdom with eternally available resources that are abundant and even more than I can understand, but they're there. And that presence of God is there defending me and, and taking care of me. So when we f first sat down, I picked up your um, paper and, and read the, um, started reading the, the recap of last week and, and um, the gospel of God. God had a message that he wanted to get to everyone on earth. If God started a billboard campaign across the country, this is the message he would put on it. And as soon as I read that, I thought of Isaiah 40, and uh, it's been eating at me a little bit. So starting in verse 9, get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. It just is such a picture of God is here, and he's got good stuff with him when you're a part of his kingdom. Amen. All right, well, I think we're out of time now. Thank you for all your sharing, and um, God bless you this week. We'll start it up again next Sunday. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.